TNT Audio Publishing presents The Carl Dark Cruiser Saga Chronicles by T.L. Dawnstar. Written and read by T.L. Dawnstar. Book 1.0 The Universe Code. Chapter 14 Guardians of the Star Cone Just how many ancient galactic orders are you in charge of? Carl asked with an annoying sparkle in his eye, in a vain attempt to conceal his surprise and confusion beneath a thick coating of irreverent wisecracking. This was demonstrably ineffective as Olive let out a long, beleaguered sigh and turned to Felicity. <sighs> What the hells is going on here, Phil? It's a pretty long story, Ellie. One pretty long story later, Carl, Felicity, and Olive moved to an expertly decked area that elegantly curved around a medium-sized in-ground fire pit with heat-resistant mesh covering and tasteful dark stone surround. Felicity's bioluminescent rope bindings had been removed, but Carl's remained very much in place, and he was eagerly watched by a ring of Olive's alien goons. You two Koldars have put me in a very awkward position, Olive said. Knowing the pair she was talking to, she instantaneously raised her hand to preemptively silence any smutty comebacks based on her previous romantic entanglements with both of them. Carl and Felicity shot wordless glances at each other with the smug self-satisfaction of knowing that they'd had the same thought and that they would have absolutely nailed their respective innuendos if they'd said them out loud. Olive reached beneath her beautifully carved folding chair and retrieved Deborah Dwarfstar's head. A cult agent within my own ranks. Truly, I failed as matriarch. She sighed. And as high priestess. Yeah, about that? Asked Carl. Tell me, Kylek, what is the Assassin Guild's primary mission statement? You can't spell stability without stab. He recited automatically. Precisely. And who is a bigger threat to galactic stability than the Cult of the Cone? Carl opened his mouth and was going to name some names from the Council's Refuge Management Department, but, to his credit, he guessed that the question was probably rhetorical. The GGA and the Guardians of the Talik Kalik Zokkafar have been the sword and shield that guards the Universe Cone from those who seek to use its mighty power for evil since the big merger of 1999. Wait a second, are you telling me that this guff about the Cone is actually true? Felicity piped up. All of it. Yes. And you know where it is. You have all along, said Carl eager to regain control of the conversation. I do. Olive, please, you know why I need it. That is irrelevant. I am the guardian of the cone, and I shall die before I reveal its location. That is my final word on the matter. She said dead seriously, and stood up also in a serious manner. Our scouts in the Great Western Desert have identified what remains of Deborah's new body. She will be reassembled and transported to Yarek's, where she will face trial and execution. (gasps) Can I come? shrieked Felicity, as she raised her soft-skinned, vat-fresh clone hand high in the air, her eyes wide and wild, with an indescribable look of joy and excitement. Alas, no. Your own executions will be held at dawn. Know that I take no pleasure in your deaths, except possibly yours, Carl, but I am bound by my sacred duty and I will see it done. 
she elegantly stepped down from the beautifully varnished decking and strode away without another word. Carl let the fateful news of their impending dooms permeate the cool night air around them, but there was no chance he was going to let his legend end at the axe point of a bunch of tiny blue religious fanatics on some two-bit planet in the Vellum Cluster. He searched his brain for an escape route, and deep within his once extensive knowledge of Assassin Guild protocol, he found one. Matriarch! He stood and shouted to the broad and extensively tattooed back of Olive Cabinet. Under Section BM-16 of the Assassin Employee Handbook, I demand a trial by fighting. Olive turned her head slightly. You have no right to quote the Employee Handbook to me. You said it yourself when last we met. You are not an assassin anymore. Yes, I am. You may have banished me from the guild for what I did, but you never formally excommunicated me. Then I do so now. You know that once a trial by fighting has been demanded by a member of the guild, it must be respected. Not even Julie Waverider herself could override it now. Carl watched as the incredible tattoo on the back of the woman shifted and animated as her shoulders drew tight and her spine straightened in anger. She turned with restrained fury and gave Carl an ice-cold stare. We had a deal, Dark Cruiser. You knew the penalty for contacting me again. And how the hell was I supposed to know I'd find you in the middle of an alien forest on the edge of the galaxy? He reasoned reasonably. I know you are an honorable woman, Olive, and I know you will do what must be done. Cabinet, the galaxy's most renowned stickler for correctly filed paperwork and all-round ruler bayer, paused and summoned Mungo Penfold with an expertly executed bird call. <coughs> Penfold unfurled from the high branches of a nearby tree in a spectacular display of aerial acrobatics that Dark Cruiser would have applauded if he'd had the use of his hands. He watched as Olive hunched over uncomfortably while her executive assistant consulted several reams of crumpled yellowing paper. After a few long, boring moments of legal wrangling that isn't worth getting into, Olive turned to face Carl. I will need to see your membership card and two forms of identification. Back left pocket. You wanna reach in there yourself? Or are you gonna get your goons to untie me? Olive and Felicity initiated simultaneous near-audible eye-rolls as one of the blue aliens severed the ropes binding Carl's hands. His first thought was to belatedly clap Mungo's impressive entrance, but the moment had passed. He presented his Assassin Guild membership card, complete with a hollow photo of a much younger Carl sporting a poorly chosen hat and hair combination that made him look like a disgraced old earth ice cream seller with a dark past. Alongside this, he held up an Uncle Dennis and Auntie Val's authentic Earth-style sausage palace and shoe repair emporium loyalty card, which was tantalizingly just one stamp away from a complimentary suede protection treatment or a free synthageddon sausage, widely regarded as the galaxy's most deliciously deadly synthetic pork product. Next, he produced his long-expired commercial pilot's license. He'd let that lapse as soon as the council introduced a 15-qubit surcharge to upgrade to the new fully holochip cards with biometric data upload functionality in place of the traditional plastic hexagon. He'd be damned if he was going to offer up that level of personal data to those faceless bureaubots at the PSLA. Carl hoped his addition of a small scrap of scent paper stuck on with chewing gum, across which he'd crudely scrawled the word unexpirable, would be enough to fool the little alien man examining his paperwork. Somehow, it did, and the bespectacled Mungo Penfold nodded solemnly at Olive. Footnote. In case you're wondering, it was a normal pair of glasses on the two normal eyes, and then a monocle on the nose one. 
My chief legal advisor informs me that under section WG42 of the merger agreement that your identity verification is valid and the statutes of Yarexian law are eligible in this case. Cabinet straightened up and put on an extra posh voice to do the next bit. So be it then. Carl Rufus Starcruiser of the Guild of Assassins shall fight for his life and for his freedom against the champion of Elthinica. The Honourable... Sorry to interrupt the pronouncing and the ceremony and all that jazz. Interrupted Felicity, who was not at all sorry for interrupting. It's just, well, yours truly sitting here waiting to do the old soft shoe with the Grim Reaper and I really wouldn't mind telling him my dance card's full if you catch my meaning. It was clear that the Elthenicans did not catch her meaning in any way. But Olive Cabinet, who was intimately familiar with Felicity's peculiar anachronistic patter, locked eyes with her former lover and current on-and-off-again friend. I'm sorry, Felicity. There is nothing to be done. Your execution will proceed as planned. She said in a sad way. Hey, whoa, I've got my Galactic Union of Journalists idea in my jacket. That means you've got to let me go. It's called Freedom of the Press for a reason. Am I right? Am I right? Wise cracked Phil, but this time... Her snappy repartee did nothing to combat the rising terror in her guts, as her untimely death, waiting just a few hours down the road, impatiently tapped its foot and tutted at its watch. You shall be held in the prison hall until dawn, when one way or another, you shall both face justice. The heavy bark door closed firmly, killing off what little light reached the bottom of the hole from the flickering fires above, and plunged Carl and Felicity into total, impenetrable darkness. They sat in silence for a few moments, as they listened to the delicate footsteps of their Elthinican jailer pitter-patter away with the weight and speed of a startled Disnarkian spider-vole. Once the sound had fully retreated, it was Carl who spoke first, which surprised everybody including him. Okay, he asked in an uncharacteristically sincere tone. Not really, no, she replied, deflated and defeated. Being sentenced to death by an old friend will do that to you, I reckon. I know how you feel. Yeah, I suppose you would. Are you really trying to tell me you don't have a crafty plan or a witty turn phrase to get yourself out of this mess? <sighs> Not this time, Flyboy. Pretty sure my number's up. Carl leaned back against the damp wall of the deep hole and sighed. He'd seen death before, more than his fair share of it during the Fruit Wars. But this slow death, this exodus of hope from the fearless and vibrant woman, was more horrific than the searing burn of a citrus grenade or a bad bruise from a rapid-fire quince cannon. At least you have a fighting chance, she said after a long silence. Wait, what did you just say? I said, at least... Shut up, Thomas! I'm thinking! First time for everything. She said automatically, but with none of her usual zeal and annoying peppiness. Carl audibly racked his brain, emitting a series of whirring grunts and low-frequency grumbles as the edges of a plan began to snap into place like a hastily assembled toy surprise freshly birthed from its long plastic gestation inside a low-quality chocolate egg. This went on for a while. Are you alright, mate? Phil asked. Oh, I'm better than that, sweetheart. Unacceptable. I'm a man with a plan.
dawn came, and the dappled light of the planet's three and a half suns peppered the ancient forest floor in rosy patches as the prisoners were led to the proving grounds. Over the ridge of a small hill, the dense canopy opened up into a large clearing, surrounded by rough-hewn crumbling stone pillars arranged into an enormous triangle. Olive Cabinet stood atop a huge, twisted and gnarly tree stump, and watched Carl and Felicity emerge from the tree line and shield their eyes against the blazing morning suns. Across the pleasant, breezeless still of the crisp dawn wafted the sound of the ceremonial panpipes that had for countless centuries been the incongruously relaxing accompaniment to a full-on fight to the death. The pair approached the top tip of the triangular stone circle and looked up at Cabinet. She was wearing ceremonial garb that combined the traditional golden corset and woven silk knife belt of the assassins with the bark and moss-crut crinkle trousers and fired mud sandals of the guardians of the Talik Kalik Zokkafar. In one hand, she held a long, shining plasteel spear, in the other, an equally long wooden one. Atop her head rested a cone-shaped crown which reached about one meter high into the bright sky. She looked a right state, and she knew it but she was nothing if not a glutton for tradition. A huge crowd of Elthinicans had gathered around the edges of the clearing and started singing along to the soothing panpipe tunes and wielding homemade signs bearing inscriptions such as Olive View Cabinet and High Priest Yes, as well as expertly rendered, if unflattering, effigies of Carl and Felicity. Cabinet raised her hand and a measured silence fell across the expanse. We have gathered here in the Pyramid of Proving to bear witness to the trial by fighting of Carl Darkcruiser and the execution of Felicity Phobos. Which of you will accept your fate first? Carl stepped forward and badly stubbed one of his cyber toes on a large rock in front of him. Impressively repressing the throbbing pain his advanced prosthetic was feeding into his brain, he spoke with only the slightest whimper in his gruff voice. So be it. Have you anything to say before we begin? You better as I do, lady. I invoke Article 49. The eerie and dramatic silence was shattered as the crowd went f***ing mental. Olive was physically taken aback, so much so that her cone crown slipped and was in danger of clattering to the grassland below. Luckily, Mungo Penfold subtly nudged it back into position with a localized burst of ultraviolet energy from his wooden orb. Once again, she raised her authoritative hand, and a hush swept through the crowd in a wave. Article 49 has not been invoked for over four centuries. What is your claim to so antiquated a procedure? You know as well as I do. Carl began, but decided to explain anyway. But in cases of incapacitating injury, the accused may select a proxy fighter. Olive turned to her advisors and whispered in hushed tones for a few moments before turning back to pronounce. You are apparently well within your rights to take certain She said with a stern look that could crack the titanoid hull of a Class 74C nukish battlecruiser in half. She knew him too well not to know what would come next and her eyes silently pleaded with him not to do it. Who do you choose? The High Priestess and Matriarch said solemnly, fully expecting the answer she was about to receive. I choose the one named Phobos as proxy. He announced boldly. Carl knew they had Olive banged to rights here. You didn't spend as much time on the wrong side of the law as he did, 
and not pick up a few sneaky ways of weaseling out of crimes you're definitely guilty of. Olive sighed a deep sigh, sighingly, and readjusted her improbable attire as she gazed distraughtly at Felicity, who met that gaze with a completely on-brand look of determination and moxie that in some strange way comforted the sad cabinet. answered Felicity. Olive sighed again for what seemed like the 400th time in about 30 seconds and lifted her stately hand to confirm the final ruling. Very well! The board is set and the pieces are in place. Felicity Focus will fight the champion of Elvenica. We have one starting to prepare. And with that, she turned and hopped down off the stump. Carl spun around to consult with his proxy. You ready? He asked. Ready. Yeah, definitely ready. Yep. Haven't been on the business end of that right hook of yours. I know you're going to wipe the floor with whatever little blue freak they send out here. Ladies and gentlemen. Boomed a booming voice from behind the pair as the crowd cheered, whooped, and clapped their multiple hands together. the first to turn, and the determined look on his face dropped as he beheld the champion. Ah, oh, shitbirds, he muttered. Stepping forth through the baying crowd and into the arena was the tall, statuesque form of Olive Cabinet. She was clad in revealing light leather armor, and her hands were raised in the ancient assassin battle pose. Every ripple of her perfectly defined physique glistened slick with dewy drops of sweat in the hot morning suns. Her incredibly toned arms were as packed with hard muscle as a synth sausage was with lab-grown pork and rat's feet. Carl was smothered in an unrelenting sense of impending doom, but he was also incredibly aroused. Phobos glanced over Carl's big shoulder and saw her death striding towards her on a pair of long, perfectly defined legs. And her heart and stomach and several other vital internal organs sank. God damn it, I should have known. If there's a Ponzi ceremonial tile to be had. Phil mumbled in frustration. Her mind was cast back to the first time she'd met Ollie. She'd been researching a story on the assassination of Nandel Overt, the first head of the Galactic Safety Council. A hot tip from David Jackson had led her right into the heart of the secret citadel on Yarex, and a brief tussle with Cabinet then only a junior compliance officer and security operative for the guild, had left her fully battered and breathing through a plastic tube for three weeks in the med center on Relic Station. The second time their paths crossed was entirely more pleasant, but by no means less violent. Cabinet had had cycles more training since that first encounter, and would no doubt have mastered dozens of deadly techniques that would, like the GGA's own customer satisfaction promise, absolutely guarantee death. Phobos looked away from Olive smothered in an unrelenting sense of impending doom but also incredibly aroused. She turned to Carl. Look, I'd say it's been nice knowing you, but to be honest, you've been nothing but trouble. Yeah, that seems fair enough. He answered, 
and gave her a spirited pat on the head. Go get him, Fifi. The panpipes were blaring as Phobos stepped into the center of the ring, and the crowd was at fever pitch. She locked eyes with Olive and looked at her long and hard. Pouring out of those deep brown wells of the big and tall woman's soul was a great tidal wave of complex emotions and themes that washed over Felicity in a great tidal wave. The eyes of her opponent said so much more than extensively labored dialogue ever could. Standing across from her on the ancient battleground, she saw a woman torn between friendship and duty, betwixt love and honor. She knew that Olive felt great sadness and regret for what she was about to do, but she also knew that those feelings would have been locked tight in the impenetrable safe labeled duty and responsibility that Cabinet metaphorically carried with her at all times, and that the sorrow would not translate into mercy once the battle began. Phil was absolutely shitting herself because she knew she didn't have a snowball's chance in hells of defeating the galaxy's deadliest woman, as voted for by the readers of Space Fight Monthly. But she'd be double damned if she wasn't going to give it a good f***ing go. Phobos took off her synth tweed jacket, rolled up the sleeves of her Ionian Ice Panther print ruffle blouse, quickly whacked her hair up into a sensible bun, and cracked her knuckles in readiness. The ceremonial cowbell that sounded the official start of the trial rang out like a muted death knell, and Felicity Phobos asked not for who the cowbell was tolling for, for she knew it was tolling for her. She put up her mitts and got ready for the fight of her life. The Carl Dark Cruiser Saga Chronicles is a production of Dawnstar Audio, written and read by T.L. Dawnstar. The voice of Carl Dark Cruiser is T.L. Dawnstar. Felicity Phobos is Theodora C. Sinclair, and Olive Cabinet was played by Ginger Johnson. Get in touch via electronic mail using the address tldawnstar at gmail.com or via Twitter at tl underscore dawnstar. Next chapter, Mostly Fighting. <laughs>